0: Hello, this is
1: Rob Lott. And I'm Vabren Watt.
0: And you're listening to Health Affairs This Week, a regular conversation between a rotating cast of Health Affairs editors. So, uh, Vabe, I thought we might um, take a moment this week to talk a little bit about health equity. Um, And I know um, Health Affairs... Health Equity Project has a number of things in the works, and I thought it'd be a good chance to hear from you about some of that work.
1: Yeah, you know, um, at the beginning of January 2021, Health Affairs, um, we did declare that we are trying to advance equity within um, scholarly publishing, especially within the space of scholarly publishing of health services and health policy research. And um, one of the things that we um, did do, um, it was, which was actually announced, um, Last month um, in in August is that we did form um, health equity advisory committee, which consists of a lot of our experts who are um, um, people in like who. Who who I would say just the who's who in um, health <laughs> policy uh, <laughs> research, and as well as health equity. Some of those names I could drop, but you know, if you if you really want to um, find out who's a part of that committee, go to the Health Affairs Health Equity website, and you can get the whole gamut of like everyone who's on that committee. Another, it's a really
0: it's a really impressive group of people, and I'm uh, I'm excited that they're um, they're joining us on this this
1: journey. I'm happy to work with all these people on that end. Um, also, um, one of another thing that we did, um, we actually I always say, uh, you know, this is the year of the Health Affairs Fellowship programs. We already have the podcast fellowships, but we also have a new fellowship on health equity. And so, this is um, the purpose of this fellowship is to uh, really uh, first is to value and increase the quality and quantity of equity related research published in Health Affairs by members of racial and ethnic groups that have been historically underrepresented in scholarly publishing. A lot of people may not know, but um, if you look at the racial data, people of color are approximately um, eight times less likely to um, publish than their white uh, counterparts. Um, and and, and scholarly publishing so um, this is something that we're trying to address on our end as we you know advance equity within scholarly publishing and health services research and so actually it's not too late to apply for you know um, this uh, fellowship you know you will get one-on-one mentorship from from the health equity um, experts who have published and know the formula of publishing into health affairs also one-on-one guidance with people from my editorial staff and um it it will just really just increase just your just the your your um overview of health affairs, the inner working of health affairs and how to publish in health affairs. Now I will say this is for trainees, um, so you you know you must be um, you know a student um, at the graduate level. That includes someone who's working on their master's, their PhD, MD, JD, etc., who is involved in you know health policy um, research, or you may be a postdoctoral researcher, you know who who just left that student status. Or you can be um, an early career researcher who is no more than seven years outside of earning their degree. So we're really trying to, you know, speak to those researchers of color and who are young and just really um, work together to build the next future of um, health policy and health services researchers.
0: Wow, that seems like a really exciting opportunity and probably exciting for you too, Babe, to be um, spearheading this project. It is. It,
1: it's, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's fun. It's, it's new. We, we will get to interact with, you know, as, as we said, said in, um, in um, January when we released the blog on like, you know, our, you know, strategy to um, advance health equity. You know, we really want to hear from these new voices. And that's something, you know, that we're doing. Nice.
0: And what's the deadline on? uh, The
1: deadline, the deadline is actually Monday, September 13th at 1159 Pacific Standard Time. You know, if if we're practicing equity, we do have to also practice geographical (laughs) equity. (laughs) (laughs) I always thought it was unfair for people on the West Coast for their things to be due at like, you know, uh, 859. That's unfair. They're just getting off work. So
0: <laughs> awesome! All right, well, so we're coming down to the end here, and folks should really um, take this opportunity and get their applications in um, as soon as possible. Sounds great.
1: Yeah, yeah. That, there's just a lot of you know things that are going on on the um, health, uh, as far as like health equity, as it you know relates into um, to health affairs. I, 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 I think of this week, you know, we did have a series of like blogs that you know address health equity. We had one. Um, from um, from the National Committee on Equality Insurance, I know, Rob, you'll talk about it later, as well as something from David Kim. But we also had something which I want to talk about, which I thought was very interesting. It was from um, physician and U.S. House of Representative Donna Christensen from New Jersey about med- medical algorithms are failing communities, c- communities of color. And for, you know, those, you know, I mean, sometimes I think, uh, you know, I've heard of the term medical, you know, algorithm, but it, sometimes it's sort of hard to explain exactly what it is. So, you know, just to give you like a, a little background on it on medical al- um, algorithms, you know, they were first used in the 1970s, um, pretty much to make a quick, precise, um, and I use quotation um, air quotation marks, uh, a quick. Yes, precise. for our listeners, yes, babe
0: is <laughs> uh, has. Uh, waved his two fingers uh, in the air to imply air quotations. So just yes. to clarify there.
1: <laughs> so it's those air quotations of quick, precise decisions that help providers diagnose and treat patients faster and faster and more efficiently. I mean, it's it's, it's a part of just like healthcare in a patient's life, um, you know, from, you know, um, from automatic intake process for primary care to scoring systems that evaluate newborns' health conditions. I mean, it's it's everywhere. However, there are flaws. Um, Medical um, algorithms um, are are often built on um, biased rules um, that, you know, really are not advantageous for people of color.
0: Uh, So I think I get the idea of an algorithm sort of applying these rules and data to make impartial decisions or theoretically impartial decisions. But can you share maybe an example of what that looks like in the medical context?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what it looks like in the medical context. Actually, something recently that sort of intersects in medicine and sports. Um, the NFL has actively employed a biased algorithm that uses uh, that use race norming to determine which players are eligible for payouts, you know, in the one billion dollar settlement for brain injury claims. So currently, the algorithms that they use are based on discriminatory assumptions that black players start with a lower cognitive function which actually ends up disqualifying them um, from receiving payouts. So that's, 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 one of the ways the, um, the the threshold is set lower um, for African-Americans. And so they, you know, will miss these um, type of payouts.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. I know we also published a, a blog recently by uh, Michelle uh, Cohen Morrill that looked at a decision. Um, there was a, basically a, a biased, uh, algorithm that was limiting, um, black pregnant, um, uh, people from being treated for anemia, uh, compared to, uh, to their, uh, to their white counterparts. Um, and ACOG, the College of Obstetricians and Gynecology, I think, took a look at it and said, wait, there's something, something wrong here. And they've since adjusted their guidelines. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it was, it
1: was sort of like the same thing. I it was a quote, you know, the air quotes again, you know, the race norming with um, with pretty much, it was data from the 1990s, which said that, you know, um, black women have lower hemoglobin than, you know, white counterparts. So, you know, instead of treating them for anemia, that may not be something you need to do because the hemoglobin is, is already low. Uh, however, ACOG realized that, you know, you're under-treating Black women who actually have anemia, you know, so um, so so things like that. So this paper by um, Representative Christensen, um, you know, said that, you know, that we really need to address these inequities, um, you know, within artificial intelligence. And so, like, she just outlined three, you know, um, ways to actually, Reduce, you know, racial biases through these systems. One was a domain forward approach, um, pretty much um, getting um, experts to speak about to to be a part of the um, development process, and that is including experts from diverse back- backgrounds. Um, you know, just really, um, you know, develop recommendations on how to interpret. Or improve algorithms um, included in race norming. Um, one of those processes includes just having like a um, training session for physicians on how to, you know, pinpoint race norming that may not be advantageous for p- for patients of color. Then, lastly, you know, they did hold the government responsible. They said federal government as well as the regulators such as FDA and the Federal Trade Commission should increase their regulatory efforts to include that these technologies. You know uh do have the best possible quality data um used to you know uh, reduce risk and and discriminatory outcomes, and they also looked at Congress and said, you know they need to ex- exercise their regulatory authority to ensure you know that these agents are you know compliant with making sure that these are um reliable and unbiased um um, um tools and technologies
0: Wow, important stuff, a lot of work to do going forward, especially as this kind of technology becomes more prevalent.
1: Um, so, so you know, Rob, as I mentioned earlier in the show, you know, this was not the only blog in the cluster. There were two more.
0: That's right. On uh, Thursday, um, uh, we published three blogs uh, about health equity issues and a- attempts to... Uh, uh, um, advance that work. Um, and so in addition to the piece you described, I want to mention just two others briefly. Um, we published a piece by um, Rachel Harrington, um, who's a research scientist at the National Committee for Quality Assurance, um, and a number of co-authors from uh, NCQA. Uh, um, now, NCQA is the organization that basically evaluates the quality of health plans. Uh, they're perhaps most well-known for their uh, HEDIS measures, that's healthcare effectiveness data and information set, Uh, and they um, wrote a piece that we published basically pointing out that that they're taking a new step um, to advance health equity by um, stratifying race and ethnicity. In their, in their measurement approach. And this is gonna be a process that's phased in over uh, several years uh, beginning in um, uh, uh, the measurement year of 2022. And um, the goal is to provide transparency into existing disparities in care and really holding plans, health plans accountable for what they're doing to close disparities. And so they're doing that. They're going to start with a focus on five key measures that are known um, for sort of having significant disparities. Uh, Colorectal cancer screening, hemoglobin A1c for patients with diabetes, uh, efforts to uh, control high blood pressure, prenatal and postpartum care, and uh, child and adolescent well care visits, and they um, they go on to identify some of the challenges that the challenges that they expect to face in the next few years, um, including. Getting members to self-report the race, uh, race and ethnicity. Babe, I know that's something that we're grappling with at Health yes. Affairs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're also looking at um, the ability of health plans to implement um, uh, sort of advanced uh, statistical and imputation methods for um, analyzing the data. Certainly addressing potential member mistrust of these kinds of questions and data collection. It's a yeah, it's a great. Great post. And I recommend folks check it out. We'll put a link in the, um, in the show notes. And then one last mention, a piece by David Kim at Tufts and co uh, mostly from the University of Michigan, looking at value-based insurance design as a tool for addressing health equity and, uh, using the case example of obesity prevention and treatment. Um, so, uh, pretty cool example there. Uh, Definitely worth checking out. And perhaps with that we can wrap it up for the day. Vabe, thanks for chatting. It was oh great I enjoyed it. <laughs> always <As> always. <laughs> to our listeners. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave a review, recommend it to a friend, and definitely tune in next week. Thanks everyone.